Well, let's open our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. We'll begin our reading in verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you that you've given us yet another opportunity to meet together and to worship your precious name. Father, I pray that you would give us that spirit of worship this evening. Send your spirit upon us. Father, enable us to hear the gospel with a heart of faith that we might look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We might depend upon him, that we might rely upon him and him alone without any of our works or any of our input added to him. Father, without Thee, we can do nothing. I can't preach, Your people can't hear. Without Thee, we can do nothing. And we beg of that You would enable us to, to hear the gospel in the power of Thy Spirit this evening. Father, we dare not forget to pray for those who are in times of great difficulty. We pray for Julie, that You'd heal and touch her body, restore her to, to health quickly, be with the doctors and nurses that treat her, keep her, her pain down. Restore her quickly, Father, we pray. We pray for Tammy and her family at this time of loss and sorrow that you'd comfort their hearts with your presence. And others, Father, there's so many others who are in very deep waters. Those we know about, those who are, who are enduring these things silently right now. Father, be with your people. We know that these things have come from thy hand. And we pray that you'd give your people fulfillment of your promise that your grace is sufficient. And Father, how we thank you. While we, we beg help for the, the many weaknesses and ailments of this flesh, we thank you. How we thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've been so abundantly shed upon all of your people and in this congregation, you've been so merciful. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your provision in all things. We thank you. All these things we give thanks and we pray and ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, I've titled our lesson this evening, Cast Your Works Out. We'll read these verses again, beginning in verse 8. And the child grew 
and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Now last time we looked in this chapter, we looked at the birth of Isaac, that miraculous birth. And by this time now, three or four years have passed since the time that that Isaac was, was born. It has come time for him to be weaned. And their custom was, I guess it, it still is in, in much of that area of the world, to have a feast to celebrate the occasion. So Isaac at this time is three or four years old. Ishmael is 16 or 17 years old. And at this great feast that they have, Sarah sees Ishmael mocking Isaac. Now I have to say this. That's not all that unusual. For an older brother to pick on his younger siblings that's really not uh, all that out of the ordinary. I will admit this uh, to my shame, but I will be very honest with you. I beat up on my younger brother on the basketball court without mercy until I couldn't. The day he beat me, I never played him one-on-one again. I tried to never guard him. We played pickup basketball. You know, Adam, you never had to suffer that. I did. I had to suffer that, you know. I just couldn't stand for the tables to be turned, but... You know, that kind of thing, that's just natural with, with boys. And I'm sure this was, uh, with Ishmael, w- was worse uh, than normal. Because what Ishmael is really realizing at this time, he's not the heir. He's not number one, this toddler is. He's realizing that. And he's, he's mocking Isaac. And I kind of think Sarah overreacted, and humanly speaking, I think she overreacted. And she tells Abraham, you kick Hagar and Ishmael out. Verse uh, 10. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And this thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. This word cast out, it means to drive them out don't give them any supplies don't give them anything to take with them you drive them out with nothing now that's harsh i mean i'm telling you that's harsh it was so harsh abraham thought this is an evil thing to do this word the the meaning of the word was grievous part of the, the meaning of that word is evil he felt like this is this is wrong this is an evil thing to do and i really don't think abraham would have done it except God told him to. Verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. Now, if this account in Genesis 21 is the only account we had in the Bible about Sarah telling Abraham, you kick Ishmael and Hagar out. We'd think this is a just a sad, sad story. A story that shows human depravity and human meanness. You know, just this is, Sarah just seems like a mean and heartless woman. If that's all you read about here, about this, this account. I mean, you think about it. The only reason Ishmael's even here is this was Sarah's idea for Abraham to go into Hagar and have a son by Hagar. That's the only reason Ishmael's even here. 
And now she wants to kick him out in the desert with nothing? It's very likely kicking them out with nothing, with, with, with no supplies, with no help, with no defense. Very likely Ishmael's going to die out there. And Sarah knows it. And she still says kick him out. I mean, it's just mean, isn't it? Just meanness. Now, we'll say this. You know, the Lord gave Ishmael everything he wanted. He sure did. He made Ishmael a rich man, a powerful man. He made Ishmael the head of a nation that exists to this day. Ishmael never asked for mercy or grace, but he asked for these other things. He wanted these other things, and God gave him everything that he wanted. So, I mean, it didn't turn out all that bad for Ishmael, I reckon, if you consider this just from a worldly standpoint. But now look over at Galatians chapter 4. If it weren't for a New Testament commentary on this passage, I know I would never, I don't think very many people would, see this as a picture of salvation by grace in Christ Jesus. Now in Galatians 4, the Holy Spirit gives us an explanation of what we just read in Genesis 21. And the, the Paul tells us here, this event, Abraham kicking out Hagar and Ishmael. This event is a picture of the two covenants. The covenant of works and the covenant of grace. And these two covenants, this is what this means. That salvation is all of one or all of the other. Salvation has to be all of works or all of grace. There's no in between. The two can never be mixed. So if we would be saved by grace, our works have got to go. We can't trust in them. We can't bring them with us. If we would be saved by our Lord Jesus Christ, our works have got to go. And what that means is this. we got to get, quit trusting our works. we got to quit trying to bring our works to God to make him happy with us. And we have to trust Christ alone. That's the gospel message found in Genesis chapter 21. Now let's look at this New Testament commentary and see if that's not true. Beginning in verse 21 of Galatians chapter 4. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Now you who desire to be under the law, you that want the, to use the law to, to help make yourself more acceptable with God, don't you hear what the law says? The law says, do and live. But that do means do perfectly, forever. Never sin one time. And if you sin one time, just one time, even a thought of sin, even if you don't act on it, just thinking about it, one thought of sin, and you die. You're guilty of the whole law. See, the law does not require the best that we can do. The law requires absolute perfection. Now, do you really want a human being, frail and fickle as we are, do you really want to be under the law that requires perfection from you? Do you want to be under the rule of the law that doesn't know anything about forgiveness, doesn't know anything about mercy, doesn't know anything about grace? That's what's pictured in Genesis chapter 21. It's the, it's the result of the law, being a picture of the law. Ishmael had to go. Hagar had to go. It sounds harsh, but that's the way it had to be. That's the only end result the law can give, is death, being cast out from God. Read on, verse 22. For it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, 
the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one for Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it's written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now Paul tells us the story that we just read in Genesis 21 as an allegory. An allegory is a, it's a story. Usually it's, it's a true story, but a story that's used to teach us something, a more important spiritual truth. Now I know this. Every event in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ. There's not one event, not one thing you read in the Old Testament that is just a, a moral story telling you how to live. Everything in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ. Now, we may not have New Testament commentary on it, but we'll see those pictures of Christ as the Holy Spirit enables us. And I know this about Scripture. We haven't seen the true meaning of any Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, until we see Christ in that picture or in that Scripture. And this one, Paul makes plain for us. This is one of those ones I just don't think we ever would have seen this allegory if Paul hadn't told us that's what this is. So we can take it and preach the gospel of God's grace from it. Now these two sons of Abraham, they're both pictures. They're pictures of salvation by man's works or salvation by man, God's promise. Ishmael, he was not the son God promised, was he? Ishmael was born as a product of man's works and the ability of the flesh. Ishmael was born to a young woman and her childbearing years. There's no mystery there. Young women have been bearing children as long as time has been. Young women, just they, they get married, they have children. That's, there's no mystery there. That, that, the strength of the flesh. It's the normal course of human life. That's how Ishmael was born. Not by God's promise. By the power and strength of the flesh. And Ishmael is a picture of an attempt not, not just of works, but an attempt to mix grace and works. To mix them. Remember, God made this promise to Abraham. You're going to have a son by Sarah. All those years have passed. Sarah had no son. Sarah physically could not, ha could not bear a child. She's too old. And Sarah said, now Abraham, we believe God. We believe. We do. We believe God. God promised us a son and we believe him. But it's impossible for me to have a child. It's impossible for me to bear a son. So God must mean we've got to do our part in order to make his will come to pass. And that's when Abraham went into Hagar and Ishmael was conceived and born. Let's see what that is. Oh, we believe God, but we've got to do our part. That's mixing grace and works. And that's going to produce a disaster every time. This mixture of grace and works that produced Ishmael is causing this world heartache to this day. It's just, and if we try to do that spiritually, it'll do the same thing to us. If we try to mix grace and works, it's going to produce a disaster for us. Because 
Salvation can't be by works. The only thing that works, our works, can bring us is death. Because what does the scripture say? The wages of sin is death. That's Ishmael, mixture of grace and works. But now Isaac, oh, he's the son of God's promise. Isaac is a product of God's promise, God's power, and God's grace alone. The strength of the flesh never entered into this thing at all. See, we know this. Isaac couldn't be born by the power of the flesh, Abraham or Sarah. They're both too old. It's impossible for them to have a son. The power of the flesh could not produce a son. Yet they had one. Yet a 90-year-old woman gave birth to a healthy baby boy. You know why? Because God promised him. He was the, Isaac is the, is the product of God's power and God's grace to give life from the dead. Now that's salvation. That's how God saves sinners. With men, it's impossible. By the works of the flesh, the power of the flesh, the, the intelligence of the flesh, we cannot produce it. But with God, all things are possible. And that's the only way salvation is possible. It's by God's grace. It's by his power to give it. Now that's the two sons. The same thing really is pictured in the two mothers. They represent two different opposing covenants. Now this is very important because God only deals with men. All mankind on the basis of one of two covenants. Hagar represents the covenant of the law. Sarah represents the covenant of grace. And God sees all people under one of those two covenants. And the sons represent the people who live under those two covenants. The Hagar represents the covenant of, of the law. And the reason for that is Hagar's a slave. And Hagar, since she's a slave, puts all of her children in bondage to the law. She makes all of her children's, uh, all of her children's slaves. Hagar was never Abraham's wife. Did you notice when we were reading that over in Genesis 21, God never called her your wife. I mean, you know, they had this like sham of a marriage. And so, okay, now you're married. You go into her and you have a, have a son. God never recognized that. He never calls Hagar your wife. It's the bondwoman. The bondwoman. The, the slave. Hagar's a slave. And the only thing her children can ever be is slaves. The child of the slave can never be the heir. Now here's the picture. If you do any work, any work of your own, any work of the flesh, no matter how religious you think it is, no matter how righteous you think it is, no matter how holy you think it is, if you just try to keep one law, like, well, I know I don't have to keep the law, but if I keep this one law, God will be more happy with me. If you do that, you know what you've done? You made yourself a slave. You made yourself a debtor to do the whole law. If you think, yeah, but if I just do this, I'll be more moral and I'll be a better Christian and, and, and God will just be happier with me. Just this one law. What you've done is you made yourself a slave. A slave to the whole law and not a son. And I'm telling you, this can be one of the hardest things in this world for a man to be able to tell the difference between grace and works. Because God saves his people by grace, and scripture's playing on this. They do good works, don't they? They follow after Christ our Savior. 
But here's the difference. Not in order to be saved. Not in order to gain God's favor. But because God has saved me. Because God has been so gracious to me. Because God has been favorable to me. I serve him out of love like a son. I'm not serving him trying to get something from him like a slave. That's the difference. And if we think about this with our natural mind, we're going to think about it wrong every time. Because somebody being moral, trying to earn God's favor, somebody being religious, trying to earn God's favor, somebody being orthodox, trying to earn God's favor, we think, well, that looks pretty good. Well, it looks good to the natural mind, but it doesn't look good to God. See, God says, that has to go. No work of our own. No work. None can contribute to our salvation or our standing with God. Christ did it all. Christ is all. He did all the work that was required to make his people perfect. Now there's two covenants. Covenant of grace. We can rest in Christ as his sons. We can rest in him. Trusting He's all I need. Or we can be a slave and try to do it ourselves. Try to please God. Try to keep his law ourselves. One or the other. Those who are trying to please God by their works. That's what Hagar represents. They've made themselves slaves. But Sarah, she represents the covenant of grace. Sarah represents salvation and eternal spiritual life being given to God's people. By the promise of God. When Paul talks here about Jerusalem, he's not talking about that country over there in Israel, that city over there in Israel. He's talking about New Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem. This place is a free city. It's a place where Christ rules, where Christ reigns. And the people who live there, the people who live under Christ's rule, under His dominion in His city, they have salvation given to them freely. And we say given to them freely, this is what it means. They didn't do anything to deserve it. They didn't do anything to earn it. God gave it to them freely, even though they didn't deserve it. And now they're free. They're free. They're free from the bondage of the law as a way to earn salvation. They're free from that burden. They're free from the requirements of the law. They don't even have to look to the law to find out how to live. No, no, no. You want to know how to live? Look to Christ and follow him. Don't look to the law. They're free from the burden of the law. They're free from the condemnation of the law. They cannot be condemned. You know why? Christ was condemned for them. They're free. They're free from any fear of the law. Nothing that the law can, can require. Nothing that the law can threaten. There ain't any reason to fear it. Christ is the end of the law. They don't fear the death of this body. All the death of this body is is being set free from this clay prison and being taken straight into the presence of the Savior. They're free. They're free from those things. And that's Sarah. Sarah was always a free woman, wasn't she? Sarah never was a slave. So all, none of her children could be slaves because she's the free woman. All of Sarah's children were born free. And her son must be the heir. He's the only one that can be. That's what God's grace produces. God's children are born free. 
free from bondage, free from fear, free from worry, free from condemnation. They're free and they're the heir. They're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now that's two covenants. Now which one would you rather be? You want to be a child of, of Hagar? Under the law? Always a slave to the law? Or would you rather be a child of Sarah? And be free. Be a joint heir with Christ. And Paul says, do you hear what the law says? Hear what the law says? Do you hear what grace says? Which one you want? Huh? The answer ought to be easy, shouldn't it? Well, read on, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Now Isaac is a picture of every believer. Every believer is born supernaturally, just like Isaac was. God promised their birth in eternity. The Father chose the people to save, and he purposed to give it to them. And when we're born in this world, we're born dead. Just like by the time Sarah was 90 years old, she had a dead womb. It didn't look too promising, did it? That Sarah could ever have a child. You and I are born dead in trespasses and sin. We're born with a sin nature that hates God, that hates the gospel, that just, that will not surrender. It doesn't look too promising, does it? Oh, but God's purpose is going to be accomplished. In God's time, He's going to come. He's going to reveal himself to that sinner and give them life. Just like Sarah had a son when she was too old to have a son. Salvation is going to come to God's people. Not by their intelligence. Not by their morality. Not by their religious orthodoxy. It's going to come by the power of Almighty God. He's going to, he purposed it. And he's going to give it to them. And I'll tell you how he's going to do it. Just like the Apostle Paul said, when it pleased God. That's when he's going to do it, and here's how he's going to do it. God's going to send us a preacher. He's going to tell us this story of salvation by grace. He's going to tell us this story of substitution and satisfaction in the death of Christ our Savior. And I know it sounds foolish to the natural man, but God's going to cause us to hear it. He's going to cause us to hear it with an ear of faith, and we're going to believe it. And we're born again. Life from the dead. How'd that happen? Well, I can tell you this. It wasn't by the power of the flesh. It wasn't by the power of the preacher. He, 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 he's he's got, such a, got such a good way. Such, such a good way with words. He, you know, not by the power of the flesh. The person just dead sitting there hearing. And suddenly hears it. It's not by the power of their flesh. It's not by the will of their flesh, is it? It's by the power of God. Moving and giving life where there was no life before. That's a miracle, isn't it? It's a miracle greater than the birth of Isaac, naturally speaking. I mean, human strength couldn't give birth to Isaac. Only God could do that. The same thing is true when God gives life to His people. It cannot be by the power of the flesh. God moves with the God the Holy Spirit moves and takes His Word as a seed and gives life where there was none before. And this is a miraculous birth. It's the birth of a brand new man. 
a brand new nature who was never there before. Isaac was not Ishmael remodeled. Isaac was a brand new man who never existed before, who stood as the opposite of Ishmael. Isaac was not an improved Ishmael. Isaac was a brand new model, wasn't he? Born, he's a brand new model because he had a completely different birth, a completely different nature. Well, that's believers. We're born again as sons and daughters of God with a brand new nature. Every believer understands this completely. I've got two natures. I've still got that nature of the flesh. And I've got a nature, a spirit, and that second man, a second nature, he's his spirit. And those two are going to fuss and fight as long as this flesh is alive. But that new man, he's born free. He's not a slave. He's not a slave to sin. He's free from the power of sin. Well, preacher, you say I'm free from the power of sin. Does that mean I won't sin anymore? No, sir. That's all you're still going to do is sin. Here's what being set free from the power of sin means. Now you believe. See, it was sin that had power over us that kept us from believing Christ, that kept us from trusting Christ, that kept us from hearing the gospel. Now you're free from the power of sin. And you believe Christ and you can't not believe Him. So you're not a slave anymore. You're a son. You serve God as a son, not as a slave. And you're the rightful heir. The rightful heir through union with Christ. Now Ishmael, he's, or Isaac, he's the child of promise, isn't he? But there's another son. Ishmael. Ishmael is just as much a son of Abraham as Isaac was, wasn't he? They're both sons. But Ishmael, he's the, he is the product of man's strength, not God's promise. He's that mixture of grace and works. And all Ishmael could ever be is a slave. He could never be the heir. And everyone who's in the flesh without Christ, they're just like Ishmael. They're a slave. They can never be the heir of spiritual life. They're slaves to the law. They can never earn a righteousness. A slave to the, to the law can never set himself free by our works and deeds of the law because they're sinful. And again, the wages of sin is death. Now we got these two natures that, that are in us. Read on, verse 29. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, from what I can read and gather, everybody around thought Ishmael was a fine young man. When did his two colors come out? When he realized he's not number one. When he realized he could not be the heir. See, Ishmael always thought, all this is going to be mine someday. I'm going to take Abraham's place. And Ishmael started persecuting Isaac when he saw Isaac was the heir. Isaac is the heir by God's promise. So this mixture of grace and works had to be cast out. 
He can't be heir. He can't be. He can't, can't, can't exist with a child of God's promise. Grace and works cannot mix. They, they can't exist with grace alone. Works cannot be the heir. So they've got to go. Ishmael had to go. And that was hard for Abraham. Now we just look at this on a personal level. That was hard for Abraham. He loved Ishmael. Ishmael is his son. But the Lord told him, now Abraham, you listen to Sarah. She's preached you a mighty good gospel message here. Cast him out. That's what he did. Well, you and I got an Ishmael in us, don't we? And God says, cast your works out. But I love my works. My flesh loves my works. My flesh loves the credit that I can get from my works. The most painful thing in this world to this flesh is not trust my works. And God says, as painful as it is, cast them out. They got to go. Here's why they got to go. So you trust Christ alone. See, there could never be any peace in Abraham's house. I mean, Sarah, part of me thinks she overacted, but part of me sees she's right. There would never be any peace in Abraham's house as long as those two mothers and those two sons were living under the same roof. There could never be any peace. Well, there can never be any peace in our house, in the house of our body, until we cast out our works. As long as we're trusting in our works, we'll never have peace. Will we? Because you always got to do more. You're never finished. There can only be peace when we quit our works and trust Christ. That's when there's peace. And that old man, he's all just like Ishmael, he's always going to be coming by persecuting us. He's going to be persecuting us, trying to get us to trust our works and not trust Christ alone. So cast out the bondwoman. Cast out her son. And I mean cast him out with no provision. Don't make the slightest bit of accommodation for them. Cast them out. Cast them out. And by casting them out, this is what I mean. Quit trusting them. Quit trusting them. All right. Cast out the bondwoman, her son. You know what? That bondwoman and her son are going to sneak back in when you're not looking. <laughs> They're going to just sneak in the back door in the kitchen when you're not looking. And you have to cast them out again. And they're going to sneak back in the window and you're going to have to cast them out again. They're going to come down the chimney and you're going to have to cast them out again. They're going to sneak in through a door you left unlocked and you're going to have to cast them out again. Again and again and again. You're going to have to cast them out. If you desire peace, cast out your works. Quit trusting them. And trust Christ alone. And I'll tell you what, you're never going to be finished. Cast out these words. Just, I mean, gird yourself for battle. You're never going to be finished casting them out until this flesh dies. And when we die, you know what? I know one, one thing's going to show up at our funeral. Our works. Our works. Ishmael was cast out. Oh, I, I do. I mean, I feel sorry for Ishmael. He, he's cast out. He loved his father. And he just to be separate, not have that, that relationship with his father anymore. 
He's cast out. You know when he showed back up? When Abraham died. You who buried Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. They're the ones that buried Abraham. But after that funeral was over, Ishmael had to go again. He had to go again. He has to go completely. And he has to go with nothing. He has to go with no accommodation. He has to go with no inheritance. He has to go with no credit and no glory. Ishmael would have been content just to take a little house on the back of the property somewhere. But he can't have it. You think, well, what, what harm would it do? Give Ishmael this little, you know, uh, one-room house, you know. Um, Jan says when we retire, she, she wants us to live in one of these little houses, you know. I don't know how we're going to put our stuff in there. I don't know. The, the, Ishmael would have been happy with a little house, wouldn't he? He can't have it. He can't have it. You know why he can't have it? He'd take the credit for it if you gave it to him. He can't have it. He's got to go. He'd have been in that little house like, well, at least I deserve this. We don't want what we deserve from God. We want God's grace. We want Him to give us what we don't deserve. Ishmael's got to go. And when he left, he left without any inheritance. Isaac got it all. Oh, Abraham provided some gifts for the other ones. And he sent them away from, from his son Isaac. He sent them away. Isaac gets it all. This matter's got to be settled. Who gets the glory? Who gets the preeminence? Christ gets it all. He's the heir of everything that the Father has. In case you're wondering, that's everything, isn't it? And believers get it all too. Through union with Christ. Christ gets it all. And believers don't get, you know... One billionth of the pie, you know. Every, the math of this doesn't work, but here's, here's the situation. Every believer gets it all. By trusting Christ. Now, slave to the law can't have any of that. But trusting Christ gets it, get it all. Get it all. So let's cast out the bondwoman and her son. Cast out our works of righteousness and quit trusting in what we do. And let's be determined. I've cast out the bondwoman, cast out her son. I'm not going back. Be determined not to go back. Because look here in chapter 5, what Paul says. Stand fast. Don't go back. Stand fast. Don't retreat. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For behold, I, Paul, say unto you, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that's circumcised. If you just try to keep this one law in order to enter into the covenant, in order to enter into God's favor, I testify to every man that's circumcised, he's a debtor. He's a slave to the whole law. Let's be determined to stand fast. Stand fast in the liberty that Christ has made us free. And be determined not to put one law, not to put one requirement, between any sinner and the Savior. I hope that'll be a, be a blessing to you. We'll have so much more peace, won't we, if we just quit trusting ourselves and trust Christ. Let's bow together.
Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your explanation of your word, that you didn't leave us to ourselves groping in the dark to wonder what your word means, but you gave us this allegory, enabled us to hear once again the the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace to his people. And Father, I pray that you would give each one of us here grace and faith to cast out our, our bondwoman, to cast out our Ishmael, to quit trusting in our works and trust Christ alone. For it's in his precious name, for the glory of his name, for his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Jonathan.